Well, last week, we began a brand new summer series that I think many of you are going to be excited about, where we're looking at some of the most popular verses in the Bible, and we're seeing how sometimes even God can be misunderstood. Now, as, I, as we get started, let me just paint a picture for you this morning. How many of you have ever sent an email or a text to someone and you just wanted to really make sure that, it was, that there wasn't anything that could be misunderstood, but still they totally took it, uh, took it the wrong way? Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? No, I'm sure a lot of you have had that happen, right? It, it, it happens. No matter how hard you try to be clear, to be careful, you can still be totally misunderstood, especially... I have found when it's around a sensitive subject, right? And it just seems like you can't win. You go, it's bound to happen. Every day, you and I, we run the risk of being misunderstood. Especially when it's around a, a, a sensitive subject. And the same is true with God. Long ago, God decided to communicate one consistent message about how we would understand Him and the world that we're living in his perspective on life, and his expectations of us. And we know that communication as the Bible. God has carefully preserved that message over the centuries, but even still, we live in a very different time from those ancient Hebrew-speaking people. We read God's message in a language very different from its original writing. And like any letter or any other book, if you pull out a sentence or a verse by itself, it's bound to be misunderstood, Right? So we're starting our series by looking at three of the four most popular verses of Scripture and seeing how those three verses are commonly misunderstood. And we're looking today at a verse that some of you probably know pretty well. It's Philippians 4, 13. This might be a new verse for some of you, but my guess is um, you've, you've heard it, if not in a church, you might have heard it in, a, in, in the community at some point. Philippians 4, 13 shows up on everything from t-shirts these days to phone cases. It maybe even is on your coffee mug as you get up in the morning and you remind yourself of what Philippians 4.13 says. I have found that Philippians 4.13 is kind of like the trademark verse for Christian athletes who love to tattoo this verse on their biceps or their chest. Tim Tebow, has, you know, when he was playing um, NFL uh, football, he would actually paint Philippians 4.13 under his eyes to remind everyone around what you know, his southern fan base knew very well, Philippians 4.13 being, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Golden State Warriors ball player Stephen Curry said that this verse is one that he always attaches to his shoes when he plays because he knows that he's gonna, God's going to give him the strength to do what he wants to do and to play a good game. This verse that we're looking at today, it's been used like a, a mystical incantation for some people, reciting it for the power that they need to finish the marathon or to lift another rep in the gym or to take on some other challenge. I mean, you want a job promotion? You want to find your soulmate? You want to climb Mount Everest? You want to make more money? No problem, because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But what if two people are praying and quoting that same verse while they're competing against each other on the ball field? Or if they're applying for the same job, one wins, the other loses. One assumes the verse works and the other assumes what? God failed? You know, and we preachers sometimes, we don't help things. You know, one popular pastor said about this verse, he said, most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings. But scripture makes it plain. 
All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan. But you all have to know that if God said you can, then you can. Now, is that what this verse is telling us? Did God say that you can? Is this verse really telling us that with enough faith in Christ, you can do anything that you want, anything that you set your mind to, to fulfill whatever dream that you come up with for yourself? Does God want us to have superhuman strength and endurance for sports competitions? I mean, is this verse even speaking about physical strength at all? Last week, we learned a really simple but really important concept, and that was around the word context. Do you remember this? What we talked about here is that there's this tendency we have sometimes when we're reading the Bible to pick out certain verses that we really like. And we can kind of cherry pick them out and not pay attention to the greater context of that verse and what, it's, what God is communicating before and after and during that story or that chapter or that section of Scripture. And if we do that, we can totally misunderstand God in those situations. We certainly saw that to be true last week with Jeremiah 29, 11. And I think we have the danger of doing that again here with this popular verse in Philippians 4.13. So what I want us to do is turn in our Bibles to Philippians 4. Or if you don't have your Bibles with you, just, again, pull out your smartphone or tablet. Go to mygrace.church. And let's look at these verses together. Let's look at the context of these verses and see what God is trying to communicate to us. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. This is what Paul writes. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, what is this difficulty that Paul is talking about? Well, Paul is a guy who is known for being one of the first people to tell non-Jewish people about the unconditional love of Christ, about the grace of Christ. And he would go all through uh, the Middle East and even into Europe telling about the good news of Jesus. And there came a point when Paul was thrown in prison for this. In fact, this letter that we're looking at was a letter actually written to a group of believers at a church in a place in Greece called Philippi. And he's writing this letter while he is in prison for telling people about Christ. And guys, in the first century, uh, prisons were bad places to be. They really were. He was transferred to a prison in Rome. And along the way, he was shipwrecked. He was chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And I mean, think about this. Paul has absolutely Nothing. He has nothing. Early in the book, in the book of Philippians, he told them that he could die there in Rome for his faith. And he soon did. However, instead of feeling defeated by these terrible circumstances, Paul is using this opportunity to teach this young church how to endure any and every circumstance. The ups and the downs, the the highs and the lows, 
through a strength that only comes, only comes through Christ. This supernatural strength to endure all these situations isn't a physical, but it's a a spiritual strength. It's a strength that comes from Christ being with us as he was with Paul, even in prison or as he was going to his death. And what we're going to see today, I believe, is that Philippians 4.13, it's not some blank check promise to get whatever you set your mind to. Philippians 4.13 is a verse about contentment. It's a verse about thriving, about being joyful, about being satisfied, steadfast, even when life is hard and your circumstances seem impossible. Paul's famous verse isn't saying that we're going to be victorious with whatever challenge we face in life. It's actually far more profound than that. What he is saying is that Christ doesn't give us the strength to help us do whatever we want, but he gives us the strength to withstand and even thrive no matter what challenge or hardship comes our way. He'll give you and I the fortitude to walk the toughest road, to even face down that very thing that might take you down. I mean, let's look at this a little bit closer in verse 10. What he's telling them here is that he appreciates the concern that they have for him in this situation that he's in. They, Paul is telling them how thankful he's been that, they, that these Philippians have helped him financially in this hard time as he's been in prison and he's not been able to feed himself. Um, he's been, but he's also thanking them while, while saying that, I recognize you can't do anything to help me right now because of your situation and how bad your situation is. And he says, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Now, one thing that you'll pick up on if you read this whole book at one time is that the Philippians themselves, as he's writing this, are facing real hardships of their own. They're actually losing their joy in life. I mean, they love God, but they've put a lot of confidence in their own strength, their own ability to live out the Christian life. And it's starting to not work for them. As a result, they're getting worried. They're getting irritated with each other. Some of them are willing to give up. Some of them are even just contemplating not even being a follower of Jesus anymore because it's just too hard. In verse 11, Paul is reassuring them that they don't need to be that concerned about him because Paul says, guys, I am fully content. He's thriving even while he's in a jail cell with absolutely nothing. How is that? Is that even real? I mean, could you imagine yourself being in the place that Paul is in in this moment with what little he has and still saying, I am fine. I am thriving. I am content. You don't even need to worry about me and genuinely mean it. A few paragraphs before, Paul says that this is totally possible because of his relationship with Jesus. That's where this comes from. Paul even says, I once thought all these things in life, I once thought they were so valuable, but now, he says, I find them relatively worthless, actually. He says he doesn't even want these things anymore. Relationship was all that mattered to him anymore, and that being especially his relationship with Christ. He says, if all I have is Jesus, guys, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. There's nothing that this world can throw at me that God can't sustain me through. What a different way of looking at Philippians 4.13. Isn't that true? And then he says, all of us who are striving to 
be strong, striving to be spiritually mature, that we can have the same mindset. In fact, Paul says, follow my example in this. Learn how to be content with little or with much. Let me give you an example of this, a really simple example. Have you ever tried uh, to give up something and you just thought, you know what, I'm never going to be able to give this up? Maybe... Maybe for you, it was a time in your life when you just, you were addicted to cigarettes. It was like, there's no way, I've, Dave, I've tried. There's no way I can give that up. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's texting while driving. And, you know, these laws have come out that says you're not supposed to do that anymore. But my goodness, you, you hear that ping. You hear that notification. It's like, oh, but I've got to check. Because it may be important, right? And it's hard to stop. It's hard to break the habit. Maybe for you, it's, it's that specific aisle in the grocery store. And you walk down, maybe it's the junk food aisle, and you walk down and it's like, oh, I just, I cave every time. It's that, it's that Ben and Jerry's case on the ice cream aisle, and it just calls your name, right? Every time you walk down. For me, it was cherry Cokes, without a doubt. I used to drink them like water. In fact, I drank them more than water. I was raised in Georgia where it was a sin if you didn't have a Coke in your hand. If you lived that close to Atlanta, Georgia, where Cokes were started from, you had to have a Coke in your hand. And I drank several a day. Several. And there came this point about a year ago, and some of you may have seen this on Facebook. There was this video that came out that talked about how bad Cokes were, and they showed how much sugar was in them and how it would burn holes in metal or whatever. I don't know. It was all these awful things. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm drinking this stuff. Maybe I should stop. And I just thought, I'm just going to lay off them for a week, just a week. Maybe, maybe I can convince my. And I thought, there's no way. There's no way. And then I managed to get to a month. And then at some point, something happened. I just, I just forgot about Cokes. I forgot about drinking them entirely. And then at one point a few weeks ago, I tried to drink one, and I didn't even want it. I thought, what happened to me? I'm from Georgia. How could I not want this? Well, that is what Paul is saying is possible with everything that we spend our time and our energy chasing after. Those things that we think will make us happy. Those things that we think we can't possibly live without. They're nice, but Paul says it's totally doable to live a fulfilling, content Christian life without having anything that the world has to offer. None of it. Now you might say, Dave, that is impossible. That may be true for Paul. That may be true for you when it comes to cherry coke, but there's no way that I can be content with nothing. Well, let me just tell you, Paul didn't think so he could do that either. In 1 Corinthians 12, there came a crisis moment in his life. He calls it his thorn in the flesh, where God showed him how to be content with whatever was happening in his life. There's a, there's a guy named Habakkuk in the Old Testament, and he wrote this. He said, he, he found this in his own life, when he said, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. In other words, even though I've lost everything, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my what? My strength. He figured it out too. Now, you might be thinking, oh, Dave, okay, that works in Bible times. That works for people like Paul and Habakkuk. But how could that work for people like you and me? Well, how many of you have ever traveled to the third world? You've been to a third world country and you have seen someone, people living with absolutely nothing and seen how joyful they are. Have you experienced this? I, I have on multiple occasions. And it, it, just, it just boggled my mind. I thought, how can they have such peace? 
How can they have such contentment, such joy with nothing? Philippians 4.13. No matter what trial, no matter what difficulty, no matter what the world throws at me, doesn't matter. Through Christ, I can find a place of contentment. Through Christ, I can find a place of strength. Through Christ, I can find a place of joy. That isn't fake. That it isn't a, you know, some fake smile that I put on to make everyone think I'm spiritual when I'm really struggling inside. No, it's something that is deep down in me that only Christ can give. That's what I want for you. That's what Philippians 4.13 is all about. Philippians 4.13 is about saying, if all I have is Jesus, that's fine. That's all I need. I'll be totally content with that. If you and I, guys, think about this. If you and I could tap into that, just imagine. Just imagine what our lives could truly be like if we really got a hold of this verse. We wouldn't need God to give us whatever we want. If we live into this, think about the tremendous sense of peace that could come through life, regardless of the storms that might come. Think about how less distracted or irritated we would be by the things that we give far too much attention to in this life today. Think about how we'd be more optimistic or able to see God's perspective on things. How we would let nothing get us down. How our times of prayer and worship would have more meaning and personal benefit. Now I realize, even as I'm sharing this, there's some of you who are still stuck. You're saying, Dave, (laughs) I hear you. I'm sure it worked for Paul. Maybe it works for you. Maybe it worked for this Habakkuk guy. But Dave, I just don't see how it can happen for me. I don't see how I can truly find that kind of contentment. I can't. I can't get there. Well, here's the good news for you this morning. You don't have to. That's the whole point. Christ gives you the strength to withstand and even thrive no matter what challenge or hardship comes your way. And you don't have to work it up. You don't have to manufacture anything. You know what? In this verse, it says in, your, in most of your English translations, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? The verb here is do. Would you believe that when you go to the original language, that isn't the actual word? It's actually the verb to be. But in English, many of the translations find it's easier to follow if they just use the word do. And I would say it it doesn't. Right? Think about it. The verb here being to be means to be able to be strong, healthy, valid. And that's the only verb here. This isn't something you do. This is something that you are. This is something that Christ does in you. And it's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that everything in our lives falls squarely on our shoulders. Right? That we have to do it. That we have to make it happen. And we have all this stress in our lives and anxiety as we're trying to make things happen. And we're trying to make relationships be the way we want them to be. And make people do what we want them to do. And we live these lives of stress. When so often God's telling us, stop. I never asked that of you. God tells us to give up, to let go, to surrender, to let him do it. That means sometimes letting go of the things that you need to make, the things that you need to make something out of, the times when you want to make something happen, even when you know that God is on your side and you know that what God wants in a situation. 
It's trusting God that God, you've told me what you want. I'm going to let this go. I'm going to stop being in anxiety and stress about this and trust that you're going to do it. When you need me, you call on me. You know, let me, let me make this personal for you. For me, this is, this is how this has played out in my life recently. Um, there was a day not too long ago when I was dealing with a situation that was totally bigger than me. I'm just going to be honest. It totally overwhelmed me. I came home that day uh, and I was just full of stress, all kinds of stress. I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> My wife, Teresa, couldn't sleep that night because I wouldn't let her sleep. I'm like, well, you need to pray over me and get rid of whatever this is on me because I, just, I, was, just, I was just full of anxiety. Have you ever been there? It's like with the stress is just so great that you just, it's like you can't even function. Well, that's where I was that day. And I remember finally, her, have, with Teresa's help, just, she, she pray, basically prayed me to sleep that night. And I woke up the next morning, and as soon as I awoke, there was this wave of depression that hit me that was just so intense. All I wanted to do was just fall back asleep again. The dream I was having was really dorky and weird, but I wanted to go back to that space rather than staying where I felt I was in that moment because the depression was so strong. I remember getting up as I normally do and I went into our walk-in closet, this little corner in that closet where I pray in the mornings to kind of get situated with God each day and hear from God. And I remember just sitting down that morning and I was just a mess. I'm like, my, my prayers must have sounded like a, a five-year-old kid. It was just, God, help me, please. God, I don't know what the heck's going on. God, why is this happening to me? Why did this happen yesterday? What, you know, what's going on, God? I don't understand. And just babbling. To God, God, just begging God to do something. And as I'm praying and I'm trying to hear from God, I'm like, God, would you speak? What, use whatever you want. Just do something, but speak to me. I remember getting distracted with my cell phone. <laughs> I pulled out my cell phone and I started flipping through emails in my inbox and just cleaning out spam emails. And I came across this email from this, this spam email from this video producing company. Christian, the company makes Christian videos. And it was a video about mountains. And I, it totally caught, I mean, mountain guy, hiking guy that I am, I totally got sucked into it. And I'm watching it. And God spoke to me in a way like he hasn't in years. And in your online sermon notes today, there's a copy of this video. I want to encourage you to find a spot today when you can just be alone with God and watch this thing. Because my guess is if you're going through anything in your life like I was going through at that time in my life, it was so powerful. In that moment as I was watching this video, I just broke. I realized that God was telling me, Dave, give up. Quit striving. Quit trying. Quit fighting. Quit trying to make things happen that you think, that you even know that I want for you. Let go. Trust me. I've got this. I watched that video, I'm, I'm not kidding, four or five times over and over and over again. I even woke Teresa up and made her watch it. I said, you're not going to believe what God just did. It was almost unreal because I went from this place of just severe depression to joy and contentment in a matter of minutes. And it didn't make any sense to me. That's what Paul was talking about. That's what Paul was experiencing in a jail cell as he was anticipating dying for his faith. 
God made this, the meaning behind this verse just come alive to me that day. To help me see that it's not about physical strength. It's not about making things happen. It's not about, it's not about doing anything. It's about being. It's about contentment. It's about being content. It's about being at peace. It's about stopping all the striving, the trying to control things in my own strength and letting go and letting God do it. Maybe you're in a place like that today where something is weighing heavy on you and on the outside people think that you're just fine. People think that everything's everything's a-okay. But inside you're struggling. You're, You're striving. And God is saying to you once again, I am your strength. I'm your peace. I'm your contentment if you'll let me be. Contrary to popular belief, the Bible does not teach that God will give you the strength to do whatever you set your mind to. Sorry, that's not what Philippians 4.13 is about. But instead, this is even more powerful. The Bible teaches that God is the sustainer of the unsustainable. This verse doesn't say... Just work up enough Jesus in your life and he'll give you the energy or the strength or the wisdom or the drive to do it all yourself. Instead, what it's saying is it it isn't about you and what you can do at all. I hope, I hope that you latch on to this today. This is a very simple but profound truth that you could totally miss. You could be here, you could have heard this whole message and miss it. God gives you the power to withstand anything that comes your way. No matter the trial, no matter the difficulty, no matter what it is, God can see you through it. And God will because he is your strength. Are you okay with that? I wonder if you can be excited about that. To know that, yeah, God's not going to always give me what I want, but God will never leave me. God will always walk with me through every trial. If you can embrace that, embrace that in your own life, boy, hang on. Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning I just ask that each one of us could find that place. That place that I found several weeks ago when I was in such a dark place. Lord, so oftentimes we hear Philippians 4.13 and you know, we, we see these Sports athletes, these athletes, they, they tattoo it on themselves and they do all these things to kind of think, oh, if I, I can be strong, I can be physically powerful. And God, what you're reminding us through this verse is that it's not about physical strength, but it's about spiritual strength. God, I pray that you would help us to latch on to this, to help us to see that in these trials that we're experiencing right now, or that, that our loved ones, our friends are, are experiencing, that we don't have to strive. We don't have to fight. We don't have to work it up spiritually. But that you've got it. God, I just want to pray for each and every person in this room who is facing circumstances right now, who are facing a future that seems difficult, that seems challenging, that seems overwhelming. God, I pray that you would fill each and every one of us with a sense of contentment and peace. If you're here this morning and you have never said yes to Christ, if you've never put this 
trust, this deep sense of trust and faith in the living God, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't, don't strive anymore. Don't fight this anymore on your own. God is telling you this morning that he wants to walk this road with you, that he wants to carry that weight for you. That you don't have to do it alone. What would it look like for you to fully trust God today, even with your life? If that's true of you this morning and you are in a place where you just, you really want God to, to come through and you want God to come into your life and just kind of do a work over, you want God to be front and center in your life, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I confess that I need you. Lord, I have tried to go my own way for so long now and I failed miserably at times. Lord, there have been times when I've disappointed you, no doubt, by the sins, the bad choices that I have made in the past. But God, I ask in this moment that you would come into my life and that you would forgive me of those things. That you would set me free of all the baggage of my past, the, the, the anxiety that I've carried, the frustrations, the bitterness, the resentment, the sense of failure. God, I pray that you would release those things from me as I place my faith and my trust in you. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son on a cross to die for me so that I could find this. And God, I put my faith and my trust in you. I ask that you would come into my heart, fill me with your spirit, and begin to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.